the way someone is happy with something that I've created for them, mm -hmm. happy to say to someone else that Joe made this for me and that they get to live with that. And then, you know, if I build a repeat customer or create right. a friendship, that's huge for me. I love that. Welcome to Architecture, Design, and Photography. Today we are talking to Joe Saramath, if I'm saying that right. You are. Cool. And you can put that on the table so you don't have to grab for it all the time. Um, so you're the owner of Wood Lab. That's where right. you create cabinetry and furniture. Correct. Uh, you studied at Fine, fine Woodworking. Uh, you studied Fine Woodworking with James Krenov mm -hmm. at College of the Redwoods, now the Krenov School. And you can be found sailing the waters of Maine, skiing and mountain biking if you're not at the Wood Lab. Oh, you went right off the website. Oh, I cheat. Oh, I well, right that, off the website. I need to yes. update that. I mean, that's all pretty. <laughs> that's all pretty true. Update I guess. your about page for us. Um, yeah, no, that's all pretty true. Um, we love to sail. Me and my wife, and I guess mostly me, but she's, as you know, gotten into the yachting thing now too. So yeah, yacht design. Um, we had her on just recently, and yeah. had a good conversation with her too. Yeah. So she had mentioned you guys, both of you had bought a boat together and mm -hmm. kind of renovated it and have recently sold it. Talk me through that a bit. Okay. That's an interesting one. We, we had our order of operations really dialed. We got together. Then we bought a boat. Of course. Then we bought a house. Mm. Then we got married. You got your priorities. <laughs> yeah. So the boat, um, at the time we were hunting for a boat, you know, something that we could afford but get into so we found an old Pearson 30 for 500 bucks and uh <laughs> wow. and I was like 500 bucks so we ran over to the it was in um it was on on the way to right outside gray I guess on route 26 and yep. we we went there and it was pretty rough very rough but it had good bones and I knew that and I knew that I could do the work on it so we couldn't give the guy our money fast enough is this a wood hole or a fiberglass? Fiberglass. fiberglass. Plas classic plastic, like 1970, I think it's 71 hull. Mm -hmm. Just really good boat um, that way. But it needed everything. And uh, we spent the next six to eight months, really, just wrenching on it. Wow. Um, hundreds and hundreds of hours and a lot of money. And uh, But it's the project that really solidified our relationship. Like we. That's interesting. Yeah, was, to... That that's unique that you would have, you know, relatively unique that you would find a significant other that would have that similar of an interest to to actually do that. Right, and she was a trooper. I mean, she looked like Smurfette for like a week in a bunny suit, scra like scraping off like forty years of bottom paint, and right. you know, we went deep on this boat, and um, we had three or four fun summers with it. Um, and then it went on jack stands for, for a while and began its slow decline as we had children right. were married. It sounds like our dog, like he, he was going on walks all the time and everything else. And then we had kids and it's like, he's in the living room or he's taking a leak outside. Right. I actually just took him. So I actually, I just bought a boat like two weeks ago, a little, uh, sea dory and it's like a pop-up camper of the sea. Uh, my son loves to fish and the other one loves to be on the water. So, um, is that a sailboat? No, it's a, it's a power boat. Uh, it's a 
kind of a dory hole. It's got like so a little dinette. Dory, dory shape. But yep. How long is that? 22 feet. But it has a cutty and. Yeah, yeah, it's got a good size cutty on it and cool. a little back deck. And this weekend actually made a, a little uh, stern bench seat for it out of cedar, not teak. It has a teak floor, but cedar's lighter, and I had it. So. Well, and not a, not crazy expensive either. <laughs> yeah, well, I already had it at my yeah. house too. So I went out for two days on the boat. My wife and kids are in Virginia on their mm -hmm. way back right now. So I went out for two days by myself, and I was like, geez, I really need it bench in this turn so i came back in made a stern bench and then went back out but awesome um when i went back out i i found that i could go and tie off on the uh dock at, on the old orchard side of the Saco river camp ellis essentially yep and i could go run the beach and back and i took our dog taco with us who's now like a 80 year old man mm -hmm. and i think i pushed him a little too hard and at the end i he felt like he was dragging. I turned around and he was like stumbling and like fell over. Oh, and I was like, guy. I killed him. You know, and he kind of like blinked a bit and, uh -huh. and stood back up and I got him some water and stuff and he's fine now. But it's just kind of like that, like, all right, no more runs for you, buddy. And, you know, granted, he hasn't gone on runs in like 10 years anyway. Right. So. <laughs> Cycle of life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes you, it, it's weird. Yeah. I'm one of those people who hasn't lost or had any huge losses in my life at all. Like Ooh, you're coming into a big one. Well, yeah. I mean, my parents are in their seventies, you Me know, and, and so it's just like, I'm not ready for mm -hmm. any of it. And I, I've lived this very padded life and it's interesting reconsidering everything I believe. And you look at moral formation and everything else of people mm -hmm. and you understand like, you claim to have all these morals, but have you ever starved and considered what you would do to end starving, you know? And if you look at situations and uh, countries where starving is a real thing, the, the moral character of a person is, you know, comes into a test far more quickly. Yes. You know, we all sit here in first world right. comfort and everything else and claim this moral high ground, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's... So yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm going to be tested beyond what I want here yeah, soon. I kind of feel like sometimes I feel like pets pets are here f not well to to give us joy and stuff and to to love and stuff, but also to teach us about our mortality. You know, uh, not even my mortality as much as a how bad of a person I could be. I'm so glad we had Taco, because you our dog because first. you dragged him down the beach or well, no, like I was so impatient with him. Right. Like the first this was really getting me bummed out over the weekend. But the first when he was a little puppy, I took him for a walk like on. All right. You know, and he had no idea how to walk on a leash. And I kept I just kept yanking on him. And then he picked up a seashell and he wanted to carry it, you know, right. and I just kept trying to control him. Like, right. no, put the seashell down. You want to pick it up? No. And I look back at that, and I was like, "Why on earth was I being so controlling of this little puppy that wanted?" But maybe to go you didn't know things? though at that point. You know? Well, I didn't know, and, right? And like by me observing all my destructive, you know, tendencies and behaviors on this poor dog, you know, by the time I had kids, I realized like, don't be a controlling a hole. Right. Have some patience. They're going to be stupid as they learn. Mm -hmm. Just have you know. And I, I, you know, I thank him for that. <laughs> mm. oh, it's funny because I didn't have, I, my dad was a vet actually growing up. So there were animals around and we had pets as kids, but in my adult life, I haven't. And uh, mm. I was thinking about what you said about 
the kids and I think about, you know, am I that way with my boys? And I'm sure at some, at certain points, I definitely. Oh, that's right. You have two boys. Have two little boys. Do they destroy everything? Mind yeah. You. And each other. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, but great. you do that, you know, to try and keep them in line and yeah. you have to check yourself and, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Talk about the moral compass and like doing right and wrong. I think about that constantly when I, when I'm being too hard on them or. Yeah, it's really hard in this current age, too, with these ideas of, you know, thou shalt not spank in any way, shape, or form, and only do a timeout, and, like, all these things that, you know, we probably were both spanked as kids and everything Mm -hmm, else and turned out okay. Right. But now you you don't do that, and so... Well, it's funny. I I think that's true, but I also heard a wooden spoon story the other day, and I was like, I wish I could do that, honestly, (laughs) even though, you know, yeah, you can't. Katie would never let me. But, you know, when these two little guys are just not able to listen, even, you know, it's so much harder to, like, get down on your knees, get face-to-face with them, explain. And try and, like, rationalize at their level. Just, and, 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 take, and take the tone down, you know. Man, I struggle with that, you I'm, know. <laughs> I'm so glad we moved out of where we lived in town, Biddeford, and we mm-hmm. live, like, out in the country now. And so there's no house close by. I'm like, I'm glad people can't hear me, like raising my voice to yell at my kids across the yard, you know, like, stop doing that. I you think know. about that, too. And our neighbors aren't that close, but yeah, they can hear. Yeah, that's you know? so funny. <laughs> I just listened to the podcast um, with Kevin Mokman on the way in here. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about your house. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's it's been it was a long time coming and it was such a difficult process for me. My wife handled all the building and everything else she's a people person and can do that mm-hmm. but man it was hard to just sit there and watch it take longer i mean we Typical. built the house in like nine months which is like fast super fast yeah we had an awesome builder uh Who was that? shout out um he he does um wink spring jeez Spurwink? Not Spurwink. Uh, it's an or- he's an organic farmer down in Kennebunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Frinklepod? Yeah, Frinklepod. Spurwink, Frinklepod. Uh, Noah Wentworth. Oh, cool. Yeah. I drive by there all the time. Yeah, and he's an incredible builder, did an incredible job. Like, he, like if it was just him I had to interact with at all, right. it, it would have been a painless pro. Like, he was more stringent on everything going on mm-hmm. than I would have been. And so I was like, oh, you've got this. That's good. But, you know, all the other things that kind of go in and out of the project were just like, oh, you know. I, we owned apartment buildings for a while. And anytime something would go wrong with an apartment building, it was like the world was coming crashing down for me. You would Because it, it was this weird thing. Like my personality, I'm very good at what I do. But when it comes to someone else letting me down and having to manage that, mm-hmm. I'm just out of my realm. Mm-hmm. Like my wife can, you know, really ingratiate herself if that's if that's the right word to people and can work with them and make them feel valued and and then they go the extra mile for her Mm -hmm. for me people just kind of look at me and they're just like i don't want to do anything for you mm -mm." (laughs) you know (laughs) i just come off like that for some reason so it's just uh it's weird but Anyways, we're supposed to be talking about woodworking, oh, okay. so we have to relate this to woodworking I'm somehow. Just, I didn't know where this was going to go, but I was... So <laughs> it just, goes everywhere. That, that's probably best for me. So how? So tell me generally what, what you do on a day-to-day basis, what your, what your business is, and how, how life informs that for you. So we design and build cabinetry furniture, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we work with a lot of 
local builders and also some builders and, and architects outside the state too, like Boston and New York. And the landing page image you have on your website, by the way, is some really nice uh, cab. Like that kitchen thank to me you. is yeah, just that's, like, oh, that's much. that's calming. Yeah, that was a great project that we just finished. Um, that was our last project. Um, really? Witten Architects. It was on Peaks Island. Oh, I think I'm shooting that on the 30th. Right. So nice. I have to figure out if, if I'm going to participate in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. that, and that's a whole other conversation because we've recently bought a camera. And, uh -huh. and I've been, because for to get Kate's interiors. Of, I have a oh. chisel too. <laughs> and a saw. Right. Right. And I built a bench. And See, it looks so, like nothing close to what you could build. Exactly. But and, it and, works, and right. I value it that much, right? Right. So, yeah, I totally get it. Right. But I'll do a way better job than you. Right. And, and I, you'll do a way better job than me, but I don't know that I'd pay you to do it. You know, it's, there's that so, whole thing. So you feel me on that. Oh, <clears> I totally yeah. get it. So, and that, and especially with independently owned creative businesses, I'd, I'd be taking money out of your personal pocket. Right. Because well, you could take that money home. Yeah, well, that's but, the thing. You know. and I, I totally have an appreciation for what you do. Your your photography, all the stuff I've ever seen is beautiful. It's just a matter of whether or not, personally, I feel like I can afford that. 100%. You know, so, totally get it. So we bought a prosumer, <laughs> decent camera, and, yep. you know, I'm hopeful. <laughs> but, right. like, well, so that landing page picture, like, I took that. Yep. So, anyway. So um, you'll notice on your landing page yeah, picture, we, good, good. the kitchen is extremely yellow, and that room off to the side is extremely kind of gray blue. And yeah. it almost looks like they're two separate things. Right. The issue going on there is you've got incandescent light, which is very, very warm, mm -hmm. filling the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And you've got natural light filling that living room space off to the right, which yeah. is very cool. Okay. And so you've got one that's overly warm and one that's overly cool. So got that's it. just a color temperature balance yep. thing. Yeah. And to I watch. had I had no lighting with me, not even a flash, you know. So yep. it's just like going. With, I mean, you're gen generally if you used a flash on camera, mm -hmm. it would look even worse. Okay. Not not that it looks horrible. I mean, I looked at the image and was like, I love that kitchen, but wow, this is yellow and that's blue. Right. And yeah, I get. It. I mean, you'd look at the you'd look at my stern bench seat and you'd be like. Cool. And I'd be like, I can sit on it. It works, you know. So, um, but that particular project was a great project. It was um, the first one to kind of get us through the door with Witten Architects, which is a relationship I've wanted to have. Yeah, they um, they do incredible design. I actually went to the same school as Russ. Oh, you did? And out in out in Michigan, oh, cool. uh, Caleb Johnson, myself, and Russ all went to the same. Oh, architecture Caleb went there school. too. Oh, yep. no kidding. I didn't know that. It's kind of weird, very weird, how much that little school has had an influence on the architectural scene of Maine. Right. You know, because Russ is an incredible designer, and Caleb's an incredible designer and mm -hmm. starting and, and growing a very well-to-do business, and right. I'm at least interpreting a lot of architecture around Maine. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird that that ended up That's pretty cool. Effect, yeah. I had no idea about that. Awesome. Yeah. A little weird. Did it? <laughs> um, and what was the name of that school? Andrews University. Absolutely no claims to fame. Not a well-respected school. <laughs> yeah, I guys, mean, do you guys all know each other there? Uh, we all had the same religious ilk uh, before that, and okay. so it was primarily just that that's the religion of that school, and the the religion is is very. You know, it's got great. Uh, uh, 
uh, ethics mm -hmm. to it. And I think that comes across in a lot of everything that the school produces and does. And mm -hmm. from a lot of the people that are of that religion are very ethical people yeah. and, and, uh, generally driven and morally oriented and which, yeah. you know, mostly is not a bad, is a great thing, you it's know, a great it's thing. just until you end up with, uh, the minor kind of picky points of a religion where it gets into how our society's changing and how religions uh, resist that change. Right. So, totally off base, weird stuff. So <laughs> anyways, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you were saying Witten architects. Yeah. Uh, Witten architects. Um, once we had kids traveling we, up until a few years ago, it was pretty relatively unknown around here. Um, we always did high quality work and had plenty of work and customers outside the state, mm -hmm. but it meant travel. And, um, so you're doing a lot of cabinetry and furniture outside of the state, yeah. not regionally. How did that happen? Um, I grew up in Massachusetts and okay. um, following like woodworking school. Well, yeah, after college, and I went to woodworking school when I was 30. And um, after, the, after ski bombing in Colorado, I went back home, had a construction business for some years, um, started my first little shop, and then went to woodworking school. And... When I came back to my hometown of Marblehead, Mass, and was taking on a project for one of my clients, previous clients then, um, I was just like, I've done this, I've been here, I, I want to get out of here. Yeah. And we had spent some time going to, to Maine for skiing and stuff, so Portland was a good choice. But um, because I am from Massachusetts, I have, have good connections and networks there, like Boston and right. um, some other connections in in new york city too so hmm. we do a lot of stuff down around there now ski bumming uh i i would be a surf bum you'd be a ski bum rob witten that guy was doing helicopter skiing into his late 60s i think really and we haven't his, had that because he's a sailor too we yeah, haven't he, talked about all that it was is crazy like he, I guess he's a very accomplished and like, you know, helicopter back skiing in Alaska or something. Rob you know, Rob did yeah. not know that. Um, and it's interesting to me, the, the intersection of, of people having, uh, interests, adventurous spirit and the intersection of how many of those people end up being self-employed mm -hmm. and, and why. I was a, a horrible employee. You'd never want to employ me. But if I'm in charge of my own schedule and I can possibly fail and not earn money or succeed and earn a lot of money, it's like that, that, that balance on that precipice of failure and success mm -hmm. inspires me and I'm very motivated that way. Um, and to, to I continually keep coming across people who seem to have very strong passions outside of what they do that feed into that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just interested how that cross pollination works at all. I feel like that's probably got to have something to do with just like the independent spirit. You know, I mean, I didn't play, excuse me, team sports so much in high school, but I was a skier for yep. sure. And, uh, in college I was rock climbing a bunch and, um, yeah, I just always have chosen my own path too, you know, and I, I would probably be a horrible, um, a, a horrible. Yeah, I've actually proven I'm a horrible employee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably have too, but not, I mean, 
in the past 20 years have worked definitely, you know, way more for myself than I have for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, and I don't know that I'm a better boss than I am a employee, but that's what I'm doing. You know, how many employees do you have? Uh, five right now. Five. Five. How do you, how do you find, uh, being a manager of people? Um, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. It's a whole new skill set for a person who, you know, I'm a w woodworker who had to become a business person and mm. um, I struggle, you know? Yeah. I do. I think I heard you say that in a podcast that I was listening to. Oh, I'm a, I'm a like, horrible, like I, like if, if my wife were the, if she could manage this whole thing, she'd do an incredible job. My wife you know? too. Um, Tim, my studio manager here requires no management. That's perfect. And so it's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know why, but I'm just, I don't have naturally a lot of people skills like that. Yeah. It seems like I, I don't want to be that, um, laden with having to hold people's hands and tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to put enough time into learning those skills to build a business that relies on doing that kind of management work constantly. Mm -hmm. I would rather work with people who can self-manage and I put my time into uh, grow, visualizing and growing a business mm -hmm. uh, rather than managing people. Mm -hmm. And that's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot about management, but uh, it, that's also kind of an intersection mm -hmm. where I found that creative types, not naturally their strong point people right. managing. Certainly not my strong point. I feel like I'm a good people person, but when it comes to being the person with the final say, mm -hmm. it's really tough. And I have a got a, I have great people that work for me. Um, and I've always been lucky to find guys with great skill, which is super important to mm -hmm. us because we deliver a very high quality product. And like you, I would have a hard time managing someone who didn't have the skills necessary, like bringing someone up is probably much more difficult than finding a person who is a highly skilled craftsman and mm -hmm. paying them well to do that job. Now, you know? interestingly, I've found it seems a really high degree of consistency that any good designer in at least the Portland area has worked for Rob Witten. Really weird. Like he's got an ability to spot talent or, or something. People have the ability to spot talent and want to latch on him, yeah. so I, just to circle back for a second so i once we started having kids i started i made i, I basically flipped main home and design and made a, a page of names that i wanted to solicit to try and generate some biz mm -hmm. witten was the first one i invited them to the shop for like um breakfast or lunch or something and and uh showed them around and gave them kind of a dog and pony show and i the, the funny thing was the project we had just finished was gone, so there was like nothing on the shop floor really. Right. It was kind of empty. I'm like, this is a piece of veneer. This is this. But, right. but I had a, um, I had a, 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 um, a slideshow on, on my computer screen, mm -hmm. so they were able to see the kind of stuff we do, and um, it was great because two weeks later I was sitting down with Russ talking about that Peaks job. Yeah, yeah. Right, cool. So it worked out. Yeah, I'm actually considering just because I just bought the boat that. <laughs> And I went up to Peaks this weekend on it, but I might like oh, take here? the boat up to Peaks and just spend the night before so I don't have to get up and go on the ferry and mm -hmm. with gear and all that. I could just go up there and 
anchor more somewhere and then just work from the boat. It could be a interesting adventure. Maybe I could take uh, my boys and Amber and the boys and have them just kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just, I, I wasn't I right to shoot the house. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were trying to get that job, my first thought was like, sweet, I'll take my boat. My, my buddy has a house nearby and it has a mooring right there. Yeah. So I was like, this is great. We'll, I'll get the boys on the boat. We'll shuttle out there and we'll like use the boat to commute. But of course, like many custom projects like that, the timelines go, they go so long, especially island projects. Well, and that, and I knew that I've worked on islands. I've been an island caretaker, but, um, it, so we didn't start anywhere near where I thought we would or anyone thought we would. So by the time it was time to go, it was already past boating season and we were taking ferries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's the hope with this new boat that I got that has a really nice cutty cabin and I have a heater I can put in it and stuff. But I'm interested in the shape of that boat. So it, it is like a dory shape. Yeah, it's not double yeah, ended. Hundred percent. Not no, not double ended. Front end very Front end. dory. And is it outboard? Yes. In a well, uh, or right on the transom. Uh, let's see. It's it's right on the transom. It doesn't have like one of those platforms off the back of the boat that you then attach right. the two. It's like Gold on bracket. the very stern of the boat, yeah. like bolted yeah. on there. It's not a wood boat. No, no, no. Fiberglass with a cork core underneath. For That's good, buoyant. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'm you know can saw it in half and zip around Boston Bay in it, <laughs> just like the old Boston Whaler. Right, right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Sounds it's, great. Yeah. I love boats. So talk to me about, I have existential and philosophical uh, ramblings in my mind a lot. Mm-hmm. And I like to try and apply them to what I do and what other people do. And because if you can understand one thing well, you can kind of translate that across a lot of, of other things. Okay. Um, talk me through a good joint for wood, joinery, uh, and what makes a good joint in furniture and i kind of have a direction that i'm i'm going with this to see if it pans out okay (laughs) well i mean there are a thousand different joints obviously right yeah you could have a bridal joint you could have a mortise and tenon either you know stopped or through mortise and tenon or you can have um a butt joint it could be i mean there's so many different um one of the main ingredients is a close fit for Mm -hmm. sure can't be too loose and it can't be too tight if it's too tight it's going to be hard to put together when you're gluing it up Mm -hmm. and if it's too loose it's going to be not won't won't stand the test of time right so that's that's one thing um close mating surfaces uh definitely um plenty of glue surface you know you can't you can't have a joint that doesn't have long grain to long grain if you expect it if you expect it to last Mm -hmm. because um you know, there's a chemical, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm trying to say it's a mechanical bond that occurs, you know, from the wood to the wood. The, the so you're saying like, you wouldn't want to have a joint that's like that. You'd want, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But you, you know, wood is like, if you take a board, the end of the board is like looking through straws, right? Yeah. Right. 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 So you can never butt joint something. There's no, um, there's no glue strength oh. in that joint whatsoever. What's the technical term for like that? And the straw to straw. You yeah. That just, that would be a, just a butt joint, oh, you know, and that, that would be end grain, right? right. Oh, end grain. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to have a joint that's end grain to no. end grain. 
not without some other kind of um, part to it. Like you could put a floating tenon in there, mm -hmm. but that say that tenon went into a mortise on both sides of that butted joint, mm -hmm. then you're creating the long grain to long grain surface on both sides, and that's where the strength would lie. Okay. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Because I was uh, a few years ago um, in the process of uh, intellectualizing what I believe, AKA losing my faith. I was sitting in a church and looking at the joints in the woodwork. It was like these, there's these massive, just glue lamb pine, you know, the was 70s. It arched? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then right next to that was uh, drywall. None of the joinery was great going on, mm. uh, but like the drywall, you could really see the, the joinery and, the, you know, it just wasn't done very well. Mm. It was done to all as all drywall is, is it's done to look like it's not there they try and you right, know make like it, make it flat bottom together mud and tape sand it down make mm -hmm. it flat it's not there um and it seemed to me that the the best joinery uh are are the ones that you can you can see the joinery it's it's interesting for that you're mm -hmm. able to look at it, learn from it un by understanding it, but the joints allow for uh, a degree of movement. Mm -hmm. It's not so rigid, like you were saying, not overly tight, mm -hmm. that when the wood expands and contracts, the whole thing ruins or you know falls apart, doesn't right. work anymore. And to me, that, I that idea of what makes a good joint reflects across life very well. In, in how a person forms their beliefs, where if the, your beliefs are so rigid and tight and kind of glossed over uh, as, as these are rigid and they're exactly what they are and they're perfect mm -hmm. as in a, you know, there's no, there's no gap between this, you know, right. they've, it, it, a lot of times it feels like religion is a uh, butt jointed drywall that's, you know, and mm -hmm. it, it's, not here and then all of a sudden crack well nope just tape it it's fine you know it seems like good joinery has that that um that ability to learn from it because of seeing the visual interactions of how it goes together mm -hmm. you can understand the material going together because you can see end grain long grain uh the, the shapes of how these things hold the reasons like they why they go together like that as opposed to how something would go together somewhere else Good joinery uh, has a lot of similarities to, uh, I wouldn't want to say logical and rational belief systems as much as belief systems that uh, have the ability to uh, grow, expand, and contract with life mm. as it ages, you know, in, really our, in our short little lifespan. You've thought about that. No, I've been through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, you're not naming names with religion, but I, you know, I was raised in a Catholic family and, yeah. um, I've, I imagine being Catholic in the Northeast, you're not Catholic anymore. Well, I mean, that's, that's I've my ran point. into so many Catholics in yeah, the Northeast that's that my are, point. Exactly. All you know, that like, are just like, I'm done. I've been done for a while. And, um, even my mother, you know, my, my mother's from a huge Irish Catholic family brought up in, you know, she's been exploring other religions like through her sixties and seventies, like going to, um, wow, that's late in life to be doing yeah, that. Yeah. Just because she was a person of faith, but you know, I, 
and I, I, I find no faith in Catholicism anymore, even though some of the tenets, the original tenets, are good. But all the stuff that's gone on, and it's just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond it. But, um, yeah, I was kind of proud of my mom that she was like, uh, would she go to a Unitarian church maybe and mm-hmm. um, a couple other things. But she was checking stuff out, you know, right. because cause she believes in faith. And I was, I thought that was pretty cool. That's an interesting statement, though, believes in faith. Well, you know, well, you know, it's know what like I mean? A double dough. <laughs> right. I know. Um, Find, finds value in faith, I guess, you. is what, what I would flip it around. I mean, I, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, and right. they're, a, they're a strong Protestant, you know, Protestant, mm-hmm. which, you know, they're at odds with Catholicism way back, saying that the papal power is actually what the revelation is outlining as the beast not catholic church but the papal system mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and it's just it's like all this religious infighting it seems the really odd thing to me is that for me to consider uh like maybe i'll jump faiths be some other kind of faith rather than just none um like to imagine a, cath- a catholic form of faith for me is uh liberating which like I probably wouldn't feel like that at all to you, but mm-hmm. I would go there with no baggage, right? I could take it or leave it, right. you know. Like, and and it and it would it would be different in that it has these very, you know, architecturally it's very right. significant compared to like the glue lamb stuff of of my childhood and drywall, <laughs> you know. And and it would be more reflective, and I can imagine like, uh, you know you know monks chanting kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. like more so male choir and and stone walls and just good sound and and it's kind of like uh people whose marriage goes bad and they think they can just hop to something else and not have any problems it's it, you're just changing one set of problems for another it's more so are you going to deal with that resentment right and you know those deeper issues, or are you just going to think that you can jump to another one and, and not have problems? I, you know, I, it, to me, it's, at this point, it's kind of like picking your poison. It's not. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think that the specifics of these faiths really um, are are where it's at. I think all of them have relatively the same values, mm-hmm. uh, but. Yeah, I mean, systems where you have, you know, uh, you know, that <laughs> that history of molestation and everything right. else and being covered Atrocities. up. If I came from that, I, I couldn't I couldn't stand and face it anymore. I, you know, and the the Adventist system right now, you know, still does not uh, accept, embrace or acknowledge uh, an, any alternative lifestyle. Right. And to me, there's this huge issue with, um, you know, if people want to believe that as grown adults for themselves, that's fine. Absolutely. I, you, fine. Mm-hmm. But if you got to understand that if you do that and you have a kid born to you within that faith system that is gay, you are going to make them so much more likely to commit suicide because you are their core center. And what you believe and what you teach them is that the things outside of your choice, you just being born this way and having these inclinations puts you, um, well, if you, if, if you, unless you deny the way you're born, 
and live outside of um, how you were born. You know, you, you got to go pretend to be heterosexual. And if you don't, you're going to be outside of our love and acceptance and the creator of the whole universe's right. acceptance. And it's so horrible. the drug addiction, homelessness, and suicide rates just go up exponentially in these type of faith right. communities where children are born that way. Right. And that, for me, where we're on the Catholic side, for you, it's like, this stuff's going on. I can't be a part of that, right. and it's detrimental to my faith or any form of faith that do that. Yeah. For me, looking at my faith to see that unacceptance of that started me down that path. Mm -hmm. So that totally applies to woodworking. So Yeah. Well, it's funny, just in defense of my mom, though, too, like one of the things that she explored was like, un I think, Unitarian Universalist was completely accepting of everybody and everything, yeah. you know, which was really I mean, cool. I know. And, and I went, I photographed a, um, a choir leader down in Kennebunk for an AIDS publication. And I had no interaction with the Unitarians. And they have these seven tenets of, you know, seven basic tenets. Mm -hmm. No one, no one would disagree with these seven tenets. Right. They just don't go any farther as creating more tribalistic tendencies right. beyond that. They're just these very, like, as foundational tenets as you can get that, that Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, mm -hmm. everyone would agree with. So there's, 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 here we are. This is it. This this is the basic. And anything from out there, if you want to add to that on your own, have fun. But you're not going to do it here where it starts excluding people. Right. That seems pretty good to me. But Very good. The the running, you know, is always kind of the running joke. Like, well, you know, the Unitarians will believe anything. So mm -hmm. in these tighter faith communities, they kind of look down on Unitarians because they're not more tribalistic and, right. and like more literal in their beliefs. Right. Yeah. But it now to me, it seems just so obvious that it's, how are you going to pin down the exactitude or whatever, the literal, uh, not metaphorically true, but literally true nature of the universe through subjective spiritual means. It's, it's right. just not that. Well, kind I was going to say, yeah, why do you have to, you know, and that's probably their, their view, you know, like Catholics will say like, well, you have to, because if you don't, you'll burn forever and you can only be saved through Catholicism. So, and Adventists will say like, well, in the end times when the world's falling apart and everyone's coming to get you, you're only going to be saved if you're part of this faith and you believe the Sabbath and this, and we're all going to have to run to the hills to, you know, yes, yeah, I just don't, anymore it's so confusing and emotionally uh at this age it's very emotionally detrimental to have to deal with it's mm. weird which i your mom going through that at that age i wonder the the generality between males and females and how they find identity i wonder how that affects someone at that age differently but yeah anyways <laughs> see what's this going to be about it's going to yeah, go anywhere i have no idea okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yeah joinery joinery gets you there yeah <laughs> but why do you get out of bed in the morning and why do you do what you do well these days it's to provide for my young family i was thinking about that after i answered your email that this goes anywhere like why do i get out of bed it's yeah. like well i have to make money yeah it's the society we live in and, you know, thank God we live in a society like that because I wouldn't want to live in a socialist society where everyone just gets a stipend and no one really cares. Yeah. Anyways. Right. 
but yeah Ooh, politics it, yeah it's like number one it's like well you have to do something right and for me it's kind of like i fell into it um my dad was a woodworker i kind of was raised around it like mm-hmm. i have i have woodworking in the family bones and blood but um i kind of found it after ski, like actually college ski bombing started doing construction you know so so i've always had a sincere like and love and as i figured out that i had an aptitude you know i got more passionate about it went to school because i was into it and Mm -hmm. i've always loved it um and i still have that i still love um beautiful handmade things i love the idea of um the the more permanent nature of something that's built by hand versus something that you know comes from ikea yeah i think that's hey now (laughs) <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean. I'm a, I know. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, now um, have to go and make a paycheck. Try to, and um, yeah, just to you know support the lifestyle that we love to live, which is probably not too different from right. your lifestyle, like being outside, being on boats, going skiing. You know, like all those things require. It's a it's a weird struggle for me because. Uh, having the background the the very strong religious background that i have um i didn't know that about you by the way so it's interesting yeah i'm actually four years into trying to make a documentary on this whole process but um having the strong religious background that i had puts a a a weight on me Mm -hmm. to be contributing and taking care of those less fortunate That's than good, myself, man. I like that. which is a good thing, but I haven't found really a way to do that with what I do other than like personal projects, like the reflect project that we mm-hmm. did that I think are very valuable. But since we did that, like, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago, however long ago it was, I haven't done any, really done anything else like that because I've been too busy paying for everything, sure. you know? And it, it, you know, at the same time, what I'm doing is really contributing to, um, you know, it, it creates a small amount of employment for those who work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it contributes to a creative economy, a design economy within the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully what I'm doing is, uh, you know, being, you know, a drop in the tide that's raising all boats yeah. uh, for that, uh, creating things like this where more creatives can discuss and share and get more people thinking in that way. Um, but yeah, that like directly touching someone individual's lives through what I do every day is, was kind of the uh, thing that should be done in, in my cultural upbringing that I don't really have, which is, you know, I'm still coming to peace with that, Mm -hmm. but something you said earlier, uh, you, so your father was a woodworker growing up. He was, yeah. Now, I look at what I do and feel ridiculously lucky uh, to be able to make a living doing it because I look at how many people want to be a photographer and how very few actually can, you know, do that full time. Mm -hmm. And I don't look at it as something that I think either of my children would be able to succeed at. Not because of any, it sounds like a harsh thing to say but not because of any ability or lack of ability that they have as much as I just won the lottery somehow. I don't know. I don't Mm. really, 
I guess there's a there's an amount of feeling of I. Not that I don't deserve this, but I it's there was so much luck involved mm-hmm. that do, do you feel like your kids could potentially do what you do someday with with the uh, with the difficulty of you know making a living as creative as your industry is and hands on and do you, what I do you think of that th- I mean I think I take kind of a lane I mean I feel like what I do is really rooted in common sense if you look at woodworking and how mm-hmm. things go together like if you can think in logical steps right you can i don't know you, you say that until I do. someone tries to do what you do oh, i no. i say the same thing right i look at what i do and i'm like crap other people are going to be able to do this yeah but then i see joe take a picture of his kitchen and i'm like <laughs> this is the ikea version bad. of no it's not that bad and i look at it and i'm like that's a great kitchen Right. Horrible photograph, great kitchen. I still got the idea there's a great kitchen, but <laughs> the tip of the spear when you're trying to get more work is dull. You see what I'm saying? I do. The so maybe I'm going to join. Maybe I'm going to join I'm in just, the shoot. I'm just pitching to get more yeah, money from Joe. No, hey, but I mean, you you understand Funny. what I mean? I do. You know, and that's uh, I don't know. Well, like I said, so, but I have often thought that like if you if you can think through things and you have common sense and it's a step-by-step process like I think you can you know most people can get there I think but maybe it's just me like I've always been able to do it um and I wouldn't push my kids toward what I do unless they wanted to I mean if they're into it right now they love to come to the shop and ride my longboard around there and stuff which is cool and but they haven't taken a firm interest yet um they just know it's the place that daddy spends a lot of time right um and I don't know if I'd say I've been lucky as much as I've worked a lot, worked hard at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I look back at my trajectory and I, there's this, I talk about this a lot with people, but there's this very much a, a deeper emotional connection with giving of yourself when you work as a creative, making something that you're paid for, mm-hmm. that there's a degree of like prostitution there mm-hmm. that you're you're paying for someone's personal life experience like someone's paying for that mm-hmm. and you're exchanging it which to a degree feels a little weird but it um there's that deep emotional connection where if if you if you don't get a job it can be very emotionally uh it's more than like oh i missed that money it's 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 a personal affront to your value where it's not that I but it can completely. feel like that you know, um, and yeah, to, to work in that environment, consider passing it on to your kids. But at the same time, I know I can't, it's not a business that I can pass off. You know, here's my 50 business clients that we do accounting for son, and you can start crossing the I's and dotting the T's and it'll be okay. Right. You know, there's a, there's an X factor there Mm -hmm. in what I do that, to me seems like basic common sense that mm-hmm. I'm just taking uh, the world and processing it through common sense and handing it back through a camera lens um, that is far less simple once I try and explain to someone yeah. why I did what I did who mm-hmm. doesn't know what they're doing. Right. You see that? I do. Because I struggled to make a bench and it was just like, 
gaps were coming in where they shouldn't have been, and I was I was messing so much up. I'm sure that's not true. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyone anyone who doesn't know woodworking is going to go, that's a nice bench, and move on. You know, right. that's nice to have. Right, and it's funny you say that because in the same way you picked apart, like, my photo, mm-hmm. you know, when I walk into a, a home or, or a place that has some woodworking, like if it was, right. you know, like whatever, like I can be very critical. Mm-hmm. And I might not say that, but, you know, I know I know what good work is. Right. I know what's clean. I, I mean, I, I do because I feel like we produce that work in my, in my shop. So I have the same critical eye the way you do with photography. So how do you... I think being critical, self-critical, is a um, is is a very valuable thing for success in working as a creative. How do you shield the rest of your life from that? Because I spent ten years being very critical in every aspect of my life uh, when I was first married, and it. Uh, I'm, I said when I say that it sounds like my first marriage, but it's not right. when, yeah. the first part of being married. Right. <laughs> um, and, and that was very detrimental to our relationship, our whole deal, because everything that my wife would do, I'd think about it and say, it should have been done this way. Mm-hmm. Even when I might have been too lazy to actually do it that way, but she's doing it and I can right. criticize it and not good. Um, works great for improving my own thing of what I do, but not good for that part of life. Right. I look at my wife's experience um, my life has significantly improved since I've been with, with Kate and, uh, she's full, totally inspiring and very good at what she does mm-hmm. on all levels, on all levels and a great mom. Um, so it's hard for me to be critical of her, even though I'm sure I am, right. I'm, I often am. Um, and I've always been critical of myself cause I feel like, you know, I was, a, I came late to most things, kind of a late bloomer, kind of mm-hmm. a person. And, um, at this point in my career of being a woodworker and you know, I fi- I'm at a point that I think I always wanted to be right. Had, I don't know that early on in my life, I perceived myself as a woodworker it just kind of happened and here I am. But, um, you know, I finally have a nice sh- a big shop and I'm getting the, the kind of work that I want with, right. with great clients and working with architects and I have some guys and I love all that. I always, right. I always thought like, I mean, if I, if I could go back 15 years and point to where I would want to be, I think I would be somewhere there. Does that seem weird to you? Yeah, because it's hard now. You know, it's we. I I think we're known for quality, and <clears throat> I think people have an appreciation for the work we do. But I know on a day to day, it's um, it's just it's a lot of hard work, and you know the the human resources part is mm-hmm. the challenge. Yeah. And, keeping the money flowing, you know, it's all, it's all but a game, you know, does, does it seem weird to you in that you, this is what you imagined, wish for, and it happened. Does that ever strike you as like, maybe we do live in a simulation and they're programming me <laughs> because going through what I've gone through in a loss of faith, like when your worldview changes, like everything you process, everything through, changes right because then anything is possible honestly and it's a very weird thing to go through um and you know at some point you know i think therefore i am becomes the backstop to none of this exists Mm -hmm. and that that's going real deep real fast i get it um but it's just sometimes it strikes me as weird like if i think 20 years ago the 
kind of lifestyle that I would want to live, I am currently living. You and are. I'm extremely lucky. Mm-hmm. And it just feels weird. Like, where's all the pain? And so, like, I hate saying this because it's an, and then one week later in Trent's life, you know, it's, it, um, but it, it's just, it kind of strikes me as weird sometimes. I just don't, I, getting past that, I don't know. I just guess I just let it go. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, but you feel that way. You do feel that way. I I just feel it's weird, and and sometimes you know, there's there's no way. I've asked psychologists and physicists, is there any way? Is there any way to like do a backstop proof that we're not living in a simulation? This is really weird. I get it. I know, and they're like, well, no, really, because you are living in a simulation because you you you're making sense of photons just traveling through space what i mean and then the image flips in your eye and it goes to a place where you envision it not here but back here in your head it's a camera it's a camera it, you know it reality is uh, a hallucination is how we experience it and if you look at a baby they're not too dissimilar to someone who's on a very heavy trip. They, <laughs> they are experiencing full hallucination and they're, they're like, what the hell is all right, of this? They, that's and so interesting. they're spending too, you know, however much time starting to, uh, being able to live within that hallucination and make sense of it, right. like discovering the very basic laws of living within this hallucination that we all seem to be in if you truly exist and I truly exist, you know. It's not about woodworking. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to edit this heavily. No way. No. They're all just straight really? into just the pipeline. Stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. It's cool, the best way to go. Yeah, because I had no idea what I was getting into. Other Good. than watching, <laughs> other than watching Derek, right? You know, which was which was pretty cool. I thought I thought his conversation was was one of the best so far, oh, just because it was two friends just talking. You I know. really, you know, I don't know him well, and he was so self-effacing. Um, I, I have I had a lot of appreciation for how he how he what he talked about. You oh, know, he's a good guy. Yeah, and he's, he's a, a super talented woodworker. Yeah, yeah, he's made some great stuff. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we actually, yeah, uh, we have a table of his and other stuff too i think so yeah but uh aside from all the the existential stuff like what uh what what brings you the most fulfillment with with what you do that's a good question and i think um again i tried to you know listen to a couple of your podcasts to kind of just get a sense of what we would say today Mm -hmm. and um certainly the human connection that i get Mm -hmm. um and you guys, you talked about, you know, um, self-fulfillment, but also, um, what I'm trying to say here. Well, anyway, for me, the way someone is happy with something that I've created for them, mm-hmm. happy to say to someone else that Joe made this for me and that they get to live with that. And then, you know, if I build a repeat customer or create right. a friendship, that's huge for me. I love that. I love always, you know. I think that's some amount of recognition that your life experience is right. valid as a creative. Relevance. That's what you, what you guys were talking about. Well, I think like working as a creative, I think 
this might be a little bit of an epiphany for me, but anything that you create is a, is a, not a summation, but it's a process of everything that you've experienced in life informing what you do with solving a problem in some, uh, substance or, uh, area, right? I, I, everything that I do with photography, the decisions I make are from the summation of everything that I've experienced and it informs how I approach the art of what I do. Mm -hmm. Everything that you do informs like the, the product that you make through, through your creative process and the end result, uh, that comes from your creativity is either approved or rejected by people who are maybe not creative in the way that you are, mm-hmm. but in some way it's a validation of your, your creating your, your creation, your thinking process that has come from your life experience. We find a value and there's that, that, uh, that, I don't know what the word is, but the affirmation from other humans of saying you are, you are a value, you know? Right. And I think at its most basic, that's probably something to do with that, that, people are telling their stories through what they create. And it's just that we live in a very capitalistic society that you, you find ways of transferring that into, um, the ability to pay for your own home and your own kids and everything else, Mm -hmm. which I think is a beautiful thing to be able to do. Not to say that there's not problems with capitalistic societies. I get it. But, um, to have the freedom to be able to do that is yeah we're is certainly lucky valuable. in that sense you know yeah to use our creativity to to pay for ourselves and our family i mean very yeah. few people i think a lot of people would be jealous of that to a certain extent you know yeah i and i i think it's just it, i don't necessarily think it's the most talented people that end up being able to make a living at this as Not much always, as no. the people who have the combination, the yeah. moderation between talent and drive. Yeah. And I, I have to think of that and push myself to, all right, don't, don't take the foot off the gas pedal of drive or insisting on quality and creativity. I mean, you just have to put your foot down on all of those and, uh, but also know when to say we're not driving right now we're going to go out on the boat <laughs> right? or we're going to go surfing or we're going to spend a quiet morning with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important. I, I like sometimes, you know, in, in, in projects, you don't have the ability sometimes if there's a push to be done or a timeline, you know, mm. to, to put it down. Right. And, and it's yeah. so valuable and I love it. I mean, I love my downtime. Anyone who knows me would know this as much as I love woodworking, you know, maybe even more so. So, but sometimes you can't, especially if you're self-employed and you have other people and, you know. Yeah, I know when being self-employed as a creative, when you get a job, you know, when they say jump, you just basically say how high and you make sure you clear that bar. As best you can. Do it with style. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Well, We've been going for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, that was that was a really good conversation again. I, I love how sideways that went. Okay. Because <laughs> it went way sideways. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a feeling for some reason I felt existentially ornery this morning. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> well, my wife and kids have been gone 
since Thursday. Uh-huh. Where'd they go? Uh, they went to Virginia with my in-laws for a grade school reunion. And me You're- not being a, you know, group people person mm. was like, have fun. I'm going to stay and spend alone time on the boat for multiple days. And I did. And my mind feels sharp er than normal. That's so, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I sailed in a regatta all weekend and, uh, my mind feels numb. <laughs> well, cause Saturday was really windy yeah, and kind of gray. We had four races and we just got the snot knocked out of us. And then, uh, yesterday was gorgeous. And, yeah. And was. Light, lighter breeze, more time to think. Um, but racing is intense and there's a lot to think about. Yeah. I'm always, when I come back from it, I'm, when you're jumping back into work and your your head's been in the sailboat, it's like right. maybe juxtaposed. But but is your energy level higher after <laughs> definitely, that? I definitely, mean, definitely. I always come back feeling good about that. You like know? if I go, I can feel myself starting to like decline if I'm really focused on work for a long period. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if I go on a surf trip for a week or something and I come back, Tim will tell me like, you just like I got all these ideas. I want to do all that, you know? Yeah, that's great. It's like whoa. It's really important, you know. Sometimes I wish there were more time. I, I find like I look at some, you know, friends who maybe work for companies where they have four weeks of vacation a year paid and all this stuff. And I'm, four weeks is a lot, right? For those people. Yeah, it's great, you know. And I'm always like, oh, wouldn't that be nice, <laughs> you know? But we take them when we can. Yeah, I I prefer this style of like having control and, and not knowing that it's capped or, right. you know, I'd much rather would, would be working 60 hour weeks here and there and then have more, you know, just kind of that fluctuation. Mm-hmm. I think going to a desk, uh, at the same place, you know, that I, my personality was like, Nope, cardboard box for me. Thank yeah, you. I'm not down with that either. So, but anyways, Joe uh, Saramuth, thank you so much for coming in. Trent, thanks for having me. That was really fun. I think uh, we should. I should put you on the list of people that should come in at least annually to just kind of okay, cool. shoot the breeze, or maybe we come up to your place sometime, get a tour, and yeah, do anytime. a podcast there Absolutely. or something, or who knows. But that was really fun. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.